All right. Well, I was at a uh, uh, an executive dinner last night uh, down there in Brussels. It was great. It was it was put on. I mean, just for the insiders here, it was put on by CIO Net, which I have done something with them before, like a largest event, uh, but I haven't done a dinner event. And uh, I I think they know what they're doing. I'll give a little mini review here. They they got a good. Uh, you know, when it comes to working with a partner. Uh, uh, an agency or whatever on these executive dinners or, and by executive dinner, I mean, usually it's literally a dinner and you have, depending on who shows up anywhere from like six to 12, um, uh, I don't know, upper mid level to, to kind of like regional CIO level people who come. I mean, I guess it'd be super cool if you had like, you know, global 500,000 person company CIO show up, but like, I'm not, I'm not that cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Know. Yeah. Make sure you get the uh, the hors d'oeuvres. These are awesome. I, I mean, I mean, if 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 anyone wants to arrange an event like that for me, like whatever, that'll be cool. We'll we'll chat about what what uh, this that or the other. I, I I don't know if I I can afford the dry cleaning bill, but uh, I'll <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to channel like some of the. Uh, Would you really want the high level CEOs? Because I actually think you actually want a couple layers down because there's a chance something can come of it, right? When you're yeah, in, like, oh, yeah. the higher yeah. up it goes, the more it is like this is legitimately a dinner. Well, well okay, now now you it, raise you right? raise a good I mean, point. I I think I've got two responses. I think like, yeah, you know, I'm down for whatever. And, 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 then, and then also a part of that is saying like, you know, what my goal in the situation is. Like my goal in these situations is like, I don't have a quota or too much accountability. So my, my job is just to sort of like have an interesting conversation and like, you know, set, it's kind of established that like people know who we are and kind of basically to be honest about it, kind of pass it off to salespeople. Like I'm always thrilled to talk with people more, but I try not to be too, um, you know, by my shit oriented. Cause that's not my job. So in that, in that perspective, like, I don't know if I had the same type of fun, like freewheeling, incredibly in- informative conversations, uh, I have with the, the people that I have with like CEOs or whatever, like that'd be cool, whatever. Like, like, uh, but yes, now tactically, uh, I think, I think it is more or less the case that the higher you are in an organization, the less you have contribute to closing an enterprise software deal. That sounds crazy and absolutely bonkers, but it's just sort of like, well, the, I think it's true. Yeah, but there's, got, there, there's a curve there, right? There, there's, yeah. you know, because clearly the people, you know, the, the low, you know, the people at the far left of the curve or whatever are, they have no influence. So, you know, that that's why you, you try to filter those folks out. With, yeah. You know, yeah. Where, what is your position in the organization? So, you know, Kote's not throwing uh, junior developer dinners, right? Yeah. I wouldn't know <laughs> what to talk about anyways. It'd be like, I, I, I don't know. It's is true to your point about the curve, man. It's like, I yeah. think there's a point where like, you know, every salesperson or sales training will be like, call high, get an executive buy-in. But there's a point where you've gone too high mm-hmm. and the person doesn't, it's not important in their life. You know what I mean? They've sort of like the best that they can do is put you in contact with their chief of staff who will then introduce you to like a department head who probably, or maybe has the budget and is actually responsible for the general project. But like, and that's fine. If you're looking for that, if that's what you need to get your project started, it's useful. But if it, if it's sort of like, it's kind of like you're just getting past another name. You know what I mean? So, so I always think there's like some middle, I always think this idea of calling high and getting time with the CEO. And also too, like, God forbid you sit down with the CEO because there's like so much pre-planning 
like the meeting is almost like a statesman meeting where it's like or statesperson where it's like yeah, yeah. they will come in, they will address. I, I can only remember one time when John Chambers was going to come by the booth. In this case, I was working at CA at the time. And like he had a whole advanced team. There was a they're like, he's going to be here at this time. Everyone will be here. We'll be taking a picture. We will all be sh- uh, shaking hands. Do, can someone give him a demo? But it wasn't really a demo. It's more like he needs to stand by a computer yeah. and just, you know, and it was like that was fun. But completely useless. It was like well, nothing actually happened here. It's like send me the uh, in that case the Cisco VP a couple layers down, and we can like maybe something will happen. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's my uh, yeah. Don't call I, high. I, call the middle is what I'm. I, say. I mean, I mean, at worst, it's good to just like know people if you're That's trying true. to establish like a multi year relationship hurt. and like and and like at at best worst, so to speak. You know, not that any company I've ever worked for would ever be in a situation like this, but you know. I've heard sometimes people get in the shit hits the fan situation and you got to have like CEO talking to CEO to sort things out. And sure. so like, it'd be cool if you like shared a meal at some point before that, like that, yeah. that would be no, nice. You're right. But, Definitely. Just like somebody to know kind of thing. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but anyways, so, uh, the CIO net people, I don't know. I think I'd recommend them. Uh, they, they were fun. And however, so what happened, this usually doesn't happen, but it, it was kind of fun. Be- but, uh, because I was a, a speaker, so to speak, at the dinner, uh, I received a, uh, a a nice bottle of champagne. Now, Ooh, nice. like uh, long-time listeners will know that this presented, uh, you know, as a footnote, this presents a problem. I now need to check luggage because, of course, <laughs> even, even though it's only a 25-minute flight to, to Brussels from Amsterdam, of course I'm flying, uh, which is no problem. It actually was a very pleasant experience uh, uh, checking the bag. It was good stuff. So trained? Well, there is a train, but you know, I gotta like you gotta get 160 XP points to get to gold, which allows you to use the sky priority line. And everyone knows security lines at Skipple are fucked. So like, if you don't have that, and I can't, I can't get Privum because for whatever goddamn reason, even though I have a residency, you have to be like an EU citizen to get Privum. And even oh. if I was an EU citizen, uh, they shut down applying for it because of whatever. There's not enough staffing, probably because they fired a bunch of people during COVID, and they're like, oh. Oh, now reality's back. But, you know, I don't like to complain about the place that's nice enough to let me live here. Uh, so it's very important that I get at least, I think, 160 XP points. It'd be great if I got 300 to get my, uh, my platinum status. But checking it was fine. But what I was told uh, by one of my co-speakers who had spoken before and got a, a bottle of champagne is that champagne is great because you don't get a hangover. Now, I wanted to ask what your your reply to that is, but I want to lay one, two more data points down. One, uh, it is my understanding, I think a lot of this maybe is myth, but I think Churchill drank two pints of champagne at lunch, uh, if if I remember, uh, basically. Um, And he had a very specific brand, so like, he could do it. Of course... As as people who watched, I think it was in the Crown, may say, uh, you know, the 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 King asked Churchill how he can manage to drink so much, and his reply, which I think of frequently, was a lot of practice. Uh, and so I think maybe he had that going there. Now there was also, and again, who knows if this is true? I think there was an interview several years ago with Bill Murray, and he said, "What you want to do? You want to get a case of champagne, this this brand." And I like to get crushed ice. I think this is before the GE Profile uh, pellet ice machine three thousand. Um, and he said, you, 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 get a, uh, you get a pint glass, again with the pint glass, and you fill it up with crushed ice, and you fill that up with champagne, and if you drink at a slow enough rate, as the ice melts, you end up drinking enough water that uh, you can kind of sit around and drink champagne all day. So I wanted to ask you two, and maybe this is uh, uh, something that the, 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 the listeners can reply in, 
what is the situation with champagne and uh, debilitating uh, hangovers? All right, I'll actually just uh, give the rec- I'll give you a recommendation here. It's uh, uh, maybe a somewhat serious uh, uh, topic here. So it's from this. I listened to this episode that was uh, recommended to me. So it's uh, from the I think it's called Huberman Labs from Stanford. So this uh, person basically is runs uh you know a whole research lab and so he did an entire episode and i guess by background he's a doctor in uh brain and physiology and all that kind of stuff and so uh he did a whole episode on what alcohol does to your body brain and health and it's super long super in-depth and uh just uh i mean it's a long in-depth listen uh but it's sort of a little bit of brutal reality and i will just summarize it as uh like uh uh not good not good so there's not and he's very like yeah, um, yeah. Matter of fact, about his, uh, he's just sort of like, I just want everyone to have all the information. He's like, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not judging anyone. He's just like, here's everything that the science can tell you. So, so, <laughs> so you can, uh, you can read it. But one of the things he comes up in there is uh, essentially, there's no alcohol that, um, well, he does. He gives like a ranking of them, like a sort of like from worst to best, but they're all kind of bad, if you will. And yeah. so, um, so if you really want to know, but I think that's one of the things he kind of demystifies is there isn't any really, uh, quote unquote, no, uh, uh, alcohol that doesn't give you a hangover. It's just about the amount you ingest. That's it. Yeah. So no, I, so it's I, a little I think, bit, uh, I don't know. It was, it was so, I guess it was, as they say, sobering. Well, I think, I think, uh, based on my years of extensive research, I agree. Uh, that, that like, like all I can angle on is it's, uh, it's basically, you gotta, you gotta figure out the exact uh like bottle of wine that fits and then moderate your rate of consumption and then plan on an early death now but i, I, will, is, is well, I think you have that but at. also i think mr chippy from the the um the chat here on the stream says gives us maybe the the best potential rationale is that uh as he says uh champagne quote-unquote tastes like cat piss so therefore if you <laughs> yeah. have that feeling you probably don't drink that much of it so therefore yeah. you just ingest less alcohol therefore you have people love- uh well that's what i'm saying like if you're someone that loves it and drinks a lot it's probably not gonna like not give you hangovers just sort of like i i would agree i am more closely aligned with mr chippy on this I, every time oh, i wow. have it i'm always like like, like no more than a glass you know i'm never like oh we need to like yeah, yeah, i need yeah. more of that i'm and then of course people like to put it in uh fruit you know like make it a fruity drink and that's like then it just it's no longer it doesn't matter what it is so, you know now uh, that you mentioned it brandon uh, i never think of you as a big drinker is that uh is that the case how, how would you evaluate yourself let's do a little <laughs> little uh little like f fy 22 uh analysis i would just here. say moderation, you know, it's like like all everything in uh-huh. the podcast is moderation i'm not like yeah you know I, I don't like seek it out but i don't uh, go away from it. But then someone said, Hey, you should listen to this podcast. Cause I was like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, this is, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. I, I always imagine that w- what is happening is like the way that spiders eat things, right. That you're basically just like <laughs> melting your insides, but you don't get to suck it out and eat it. It just, uh, you become a, a, a beer's okay. Of, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're you're just, you're just I mean it, it's similar like you know one of the things I think a couple episodes ago or or, or uh, maybe even last yeah last episode we talked about Southwest stuff right where like you could do a business case of like how long can I can I drive share price before I have to pay for it and I think there's a similar ROI on uh, you know too much booze drinking you know how how long can I go before the entire inside of my body is like a delicious spider snack uh, and. Uh, 
There's probably a spreadsheet you could make for that. Get some validated input. That would be, you know, that would actually be handy if if uh, you could get one of those like, you know, you can uh, 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 like monitor your blood for ketones or whatever. Like it would be nice to calibrate on 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 your levels, not only for 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 drinking but all sorts of things. And in fact, it almost se- that seems like the kind of thing that like big doctor would not want you to do is to sort of be like, well. Every individual is different. So what we can do is find out how close to the cliff you can get without falling over, right? Like, which is kind of like everyone would, well, I don't know if everyone would, but I think it would be handy if people knew their, their parameters, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a very like, I don't know how other cultures are, but this is one of those oddities of American culture that even us Americans don't really think about too much, but we're very uncomfortable with that idea of not so much knowing your limits, but like knowing that like how far, like how you can walk right up to like doing the bad thing. Like instead we have that very puritanical thing where we're just like, no, it's binary. You're either bad or good. Whereas, you know, you really want to be like, no, this, this person over here can do this up to this level. And this person can't. Well, this would, I mean, kind of back to this podcast, you know, I'll just, I don't know, I feel like we're too, it's too serious now, but I would just say basically he gives you, uh, if you listen to it, he basically says there are like three ways, most, there are basically three types of reactions to alcohol, right? And you can, you can kind of just, I guess if you've had alcohol, right, you can kind of put yourself in each, in, in the category. And that, to your point, that will give you some indication of like how you respond and at least what's happening to your body, right? So that would be, and I guess right, just right. to quickly, not to like, I'll just to say this. Like one is like you have alcohol, but you hate it. It makes you sick immediately. So that's like a lower percent of people. And they, those people don't drink, right? Because they just like, they hate it, right? And then there's kind of the big middle, which is like you enjoy it, but then you eventually um, get on a, a feeling of like, it, it's over. Like I need to stop. And then you get into people that like it and can't stop. So, so anyway, you know, too much, too serious. I don't want to, I don't feel like I'm bringing the podcast down. So anyway, I don't, you go listen to that. And of course, Cote, please enjoy your champagne. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I mean, it's all to say that my reaction to that was like, well, that's a sweet idea, but I think it's totally false it is, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, anyways, I, I don't, I, I agree with what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I got to do some analysis on, uh, we all need to figure out if we're a spider snack or not. That's 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 what we gotta we gotta figure out. Well, speaking of uh, spider snacks, I think you know I I think I did not realize that the the Ruby on Rails person has been just like pumping out the content. Now I of course have encountered the uh, I think I think uh, he had a couple of blog posts. The DHH fellow, uh, you know, the Chicagoan from Denmark, if I recall, and you know he he had the 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 uh, the, the posts on how he didn't like. Uh, uh, affirmative action stuff or you know diversity equality and inclusion stuff dei things and then there was another post which i was reminded of in our in our slack channel which if you wanted to join you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and click on slack we've got lots of great discussion going on but i was reminded of another post that he had which was about um uh we should not talk about politics and culture things i didn't think he said culture things but we should not talk about politics at work we should just yeah. go on and uh, and do our stuff, which, you know, it seems like the Chicago tech scene is is small enough and, and sort of like uh, not into that idea enough. I remember a bunch, some people like quit the uh, the old yeah. 37 signals after that. So 
you got that going on. You're in that section of the library, so to speak. Uh, but I think I think if you pull together some of the Twitter stuff he's been doing uh, that he wrote and some other analysis, we got there's there's two great, just like and by great I mean just like wow, I'd like I could read this stuff all day. Where he you know one uh, there's a, there's ongoing commentary about how hey dot com. Uh, wants to uh, like go through private cloud and and, and uh, what what I found especially uh, relevant to our podcast here and my interest is there was there was a great overview of when Suse went in and pitched Rancher to replace uh, what they were doing. <laughs> now before I go over this, uh, I looked around very lazily for ten minutes to try to find whether it was in the transcript of a podcast where they talked about this or elsewhere. Really, just in a transcript of a podcast, I didn't do much research. You, th- there is no speck of like how many clusters and nodes and all this stuff that that is in there, so we don't really know the size. But we should assume the only thing that I could find about the workload that they, they I guess they got a um, what do you call it when you get a pitch, a bid? There's some phrase for that. That's three letters. I can't think of it now. Not a CFP or a POC. You're getting a. Anyways, we'll think of the word later. The bid. Or- RFP. There you go. So we don't know what was in the RFP, but the the angle was uh, they have tens of thousands of email customers, right? So I guess you could probably figure out what that is. I mean, it sounds like smaller than the Bank of America online banking app, but maybe larger than a grocery store's scheduling trucks going to various distribution centers like sure. like you know some something in that area so anyways the the bid came out to to run kubernetes not the hardware for hey.com uh to two million dollars and then as he says rancher agreed to a discount of three percent which is like that's uh that's fun that's not moving a three percent <laughs> discount the but you know so i think we have an idea of like you know, one, it, it it makes me think, I don't think maybe maybe the uh, the platypus guy does this, but like, I don't think we have like just a website you can go to to see like what things cost. Oh, no. Right. Like like there's which which is kind of astonishing that like that, like you have glass door where people sh- share salaries. But it's kind of bonkers that those those C-level executives we were talking about earlier haven't just gone and like started a um I don't know what do the kids use notion.com or like you know just started a wiki somewhere where they just like or a blog where they just all update like the current RFP bids that they've gotten like it seems like that oh, would yeah. now now may, maybe once you get up to the CEO level you hate like unions and organized labor so much that the idea of sharing anything money related just seems like just an impossibility but like it seems like a fundamental part of, I don't, is this systems thinking? It's not systems thinking like we talk about in this world, but just like group thinking that like, if you have asymmetric information that's kind of like one to many, like the many, it only benefits them to share pricing. Like well, there's no downside. Yeah. So, so it is weird. So anyways, uh, it looks like if you want to run uh, email for tens of thousands of people, we're looking at maybe like, let's discount it even more. Maybe about eight hundred thousand to a million dollars a year uh, well, if you want to run. There's Kubernetes. actually another pod, uh, another post on the Thirty Seven Signals blog post, not DHHs, but mm. the Thirty Seven Signals has a post uh, from January thirteenth called "Our Our Cloud Spend in Twenty Twenty Two." 
where he breaks it down or he doesn't break it down. Some there, you know, somebody from their, that's the, the public cloud spin though. Right. I, I mean, yep. that's good. Right. Research, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, we'll definitely put that in the show notes so you can see that, you know, Hey, uh, their annual bill for, for 2022 was a million 65,000 or 66,000. Right, and right. and um, that's all in on on their AWS usage. That shows you know databases, open search, EC2. It's all it's all broken down there. And you know this got picked up over. You know I'm over on FinOps Slack, of course, and you know the people dug into that because not very many people are willing to have that level of transparency. Um, right, and right. of course you know 37 Signals, you know they like stirring the pot, uh, and so they they put it up there because they're very publicly you know trying to leave the cloud and trying to save themselves money. Well, I and, thought the number uh, though, the number he puts in there, I think it's in the, one of the final paragraphs is like getting the, this massive spend down to just 3.2 million. So that sort of looks like what they're all in is right now. Last year, they're all in. Well, they've around. already gotten it down that far. That's they, what I'm saying. I so guess, that's what, but yeah. I, that this is why, you know, been critical of DHH before. So one hundred percent there, but at the same time, like I'm all here for this, this, this I read and I, and I agree. I'm hundred percent love all the transparency. So it's really, this is a great case study because so next year, and I think he even says it, that they'll, they're going to basically post what they do next year. But like, you can kind of just look at it, but like, okay, 3.2 million to do all of, Hey, and, and some other stuff as you guys were alluding to. So it will be really interesting next year to see what they get it down to. And then, you know, I think we kind of joked before, it's like, well, what are they building a data center? They're not doing that. They even said that they're working with their friends at Deft, DEFT to basically lease the, the rack space, um, bandwidth and power in the, yeah, that, manage that, Colo. Yeah. yeah. So manage Colo. So, so, I mean, that's the whole, I guess that's the first part of it. It's their, they may own the servers, but they are, will, will just rent the space. So that's sure. kind of, you know, that's an, again, I think Slide everyone would do money. that, but I, th- yeah. I think it's really interesting. Cause like, it'll be interesting to see what the core cost of deft it or deft, I guess how you say it, um, what that is. And then we'll see what they actually go on. Cause I, I actually look at 3.2 million all in. I'm like, yeah, it's a lot, but it's not crazy. I didn't think it was crazy. I didn't think that was. I don't know what your reaction was, Matt. No, no, no. Do you, do you, do you think that? I was like, eh, not that bad. Do you think that's crazy for one application or like one organization, or or not crazy? Like it's not crazy. I guess let me yeah. just say this: for thirty-seven signals to be spending three point two million dollars on all their stuff, I was like, no, nope, that's not crazy to me. I was like, that yeah. seems like I mean, it's yeah. pretty. Basecamp probably has you know tens of thousands of users. It's still really popular um mm-hmm. you know they, they changed the name of 37 signals to Basecamp for a while right um and then you know hey apparently has users i sorry hey um <laughs> but uh-huh. uh you know they have they still have high rise and campfire and, and tenala so you know they're running a lot of infrastructure they're running a lot of stuff that scales horizontally to a lot of users sounds like a good kubernetes use case so you know they call up the rancher folks once they're, if they're all in on, on Kubernetes, they should be able to move it anywhere, um, you know, including on-premises. So they, they just need to get a good, good management layer of, you know, of Kubernetes on that, that hardware, and then they should be fine for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and I guess, you know, to your original point or question, Kote, so it's basically, hey, as he says, is just over a million dollars, 88000 a month. So it's like, okay, so it's a million dollars for hey, it's a $3.2 million all in for everything else, like, these numbers to me are like not crazy. I don't, you know, I mean, I've, I've yeah. I understand yeah. you, you don't want to pay. I like, like everyone, like, sure. We all want to pay less, but I'm not gonna by the time you do market. everything and you think about all the headcount that you're not paying for and, you know, all the co-locations you're not paying for, like, I just think there's a lot in there. So I, I kind of found myself like, oh, this is, you know, 
this is not crazy to me at all. This actually seemed so. That's why I'm really excited yeah. to see. It's like now next year, if they're like, we got it down to fifty thousand well, dollars, I'll be like, where, where do you think wow. they're going to get it down to? What 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 do you think realistically they're going to get this down? Right, to? like what the floor I'll, is, right? I'll be I'll be shocked if if they knock it under two point five. I think, but the. I think that's possible, but I think the thing that the questions I would have, this is almost where I want to send in auditors is I would be really <laughs> curious to say, it's like whatever number they publish, I want to be like, are you accounting for all of the exactly. soft costs? Like all the additional time and salaries and uh, you know Sal- management that you had to actually do to yeah. do this and not hide yeah. it inside. It's like, cause like just, I mean, you know, everybody has a sense of what uh, tech salaries are, right? So if you just, take a couple of tech salaries, you know, and that doesn't take long to like quickly, you know, for headcounts to really start to eat into this uh, $3 million or $1 million of hay. Right. And it doesn't, that's, it wouldn't take yeah, that many yeah. people. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, um, I mean, I get, I guess, I guess in the medium range, if you figure like 200,000 a year all in for an employee, right. So a salary of like, I mean, that's least. a low salary, like 150, 180 plus bonus, plus insurance, plus like toothpicks and stuff. Yeah. Like then, then you only need like five of those people, and you're already at a million. Plus, you got to pay like social security and like all that other shit. And then you yeah, and on, I think blah, the blah, blah. the th- the tendency here will be. I know there'll, there'll be a strong tendency, uh, a bias to like show that they save money. But like the thing that would really get you would be not so much that you hired one person. Is uh, oh, it took like a say a week, a couple weeks, uh, a month or a year, or whatever, from a lot of different people to get involved. Because that's sort of like where you'll start to lose track. You're like, oh, well, mm. how, I'm sure DHH is making a lot more than that and his partner and like, how much time are they doing this, right? And it's like, that's where these, these costs can sneak up on you. It's like, oh, now we're not getting features out. We're not writing as many uh, inflammatory blog posts. You know, look at all the things we're not doing and we're managing this. So, um, yeah. But I, I don't like it. But again, I love the fact. I mean, kudos. I can't say this enough. Like the fact they put all this out there is like, yeah. this is great. And I think Cody can go back to where we originally started was you, know, you kind of asked a little bit about price list. It's like to me, the price, the public price list is the cloud. And I guess I will be maybe kind of take a different position on the RFPs and stuff like that. It's like it's not so much that they're not shared. It's just like once you've asked for like a custom bid, right, for your specific work, it's just very difficult to like, you know, share and have it yeah. be useful. Like someone saying like, uh, how much did it take you to build your house? It's like, your house is so custom. Once you get to that level, right? That you've had someone basically cost out a house just for you and the way you are. And then someone else looking at that, it's like, it's not that useful. It's not that apples to apples. You could do some mm. type of price per square foot, but then that's more like the cloud pricing. So, um, so I think if you want to like, and then, you know, because he kind of goes on to say about like how frustrated they are about enterprise pricing. And I was like, I don't know, to me, I was really surprised that someone had worked in software for so long to be like, oh, this is how it works. Well, it's because like, he's on the consumer side. Yeah, right? I just he's, like, he, they, they just like, don't know. This price and yeah. you know, it's just like, somebody, you've just never bought anything before. Like, you just don't exactly. know what you're doing. And also they did obviously the poor job qualifying themselves. If they're like, if they said on the first meeting, Matt, you know this and just as well as I do. It's like, if they said in the first meeting, the max we can possibly spend is $400,000. We will not spend $1 over. That will probably conclude a lot of meetings you know what i mean if that if once the you're basically <laughs> saying no right and like but you have I'll to do this call, as a, to be call. a good customer right if you have a hard limit like that it's better for you to volunteer it early right because it's not like oh if i say 400 they were going to send me a proposal for 200 no 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 at 400 they're yeah. like i don't even know i got a solution no, four, if, if you say 400 they're going to send you 500 so it's, and and then you know nickel and dime you down to 400 
Right. But it's also too, it's like, you know, like think about who just showed up at your meeting. I got a salesperson. I got a solution architect, usually at a minimum at these sales meetings, right? Those people are making, you know what I'm saying? And I want those guys to come and build out a solution, you know, for over a period of a couple of weeks. And I want to meet with them and I want to ask them lots of questions. I'm like, you're, you're spent a lot of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. You spent, that's a lot high cost of sales. So don't expect that. That's what, you know, that's what you're paying for in that, you know, million plus dollar quota or uh, I mean, quote. They, 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 they could got. easily spend $0 on Kubernetes and spend 400,000 on contracting. Absolutely. So that part, yeah. I thought that part, I just think he showed that, you know, to your point, they just, they just, it's, they, they're entering a world they're just unfamiliar with. And it's like, well, don't, yeah. you know, don't walk into this room. Right. You know, it's I, like, I'm, I'm sure they could get plenty of consultants to do exactly what they're asking for from rancher for 400,000 for a bespoke solution, which isn't what they want. <laughs> absolutely. And it's, you're right. And that's, uh, and that is exactly where they're at. So that's why, I mean, that's why this whole thing, it's like, you think you have it bad. And maybe the other side of this that we don't see is like, what's the actual revenue from Hay? Like if Hay is just making $4 million, I could see where you'd be like, oh, yeah, pretty, yeah. You'd yeah. be like really this frustrated with this business, right? You'd be like, this is an awful business. Now, I mean, if Hay's making yeah. $10 million a year or $20 million a year, it's like, okay. I mean, you know, you're, you're, it's well, not crazy. I, I mean, it reminds me of like a long time ago, you know, we worked on a, a commercial product that included Oracle. And, yep. you know, Oracle database and, and they got a percentage of revenue. And as that product was, you know, getting sunsetted, we just took this, you know, six months to pull Oracle out and put in Postgres without telling the customers that anything had changed. And like, as far as the customers knew, nothing had happened. We, you know, we ate a bunch of technical debt, but we increased our margins by taking Oracle out of the equation. And, you know, that's what, that's what Hay wants to do is like, they just want to make their, you know, th this, this should never show up on the customer side. They should have no care or, or knowledge that, oh, you know, it wasn't the cloud. Now it's on premises. Who cares? But, you know, they just want to. Yeah, my guess is they'll do a good. They seem like they're good at that part. This seems like they kind of make things look seamless. I, I you know, I get, you know, maybe this back to like, the, you know, Cote, you know, a little bit of your world. It's like, well, we could have started this whole conversation with like, uh, maybe email is not like a really profitable business. Maybe email hosting is like, I mean, we could have started there, but like turns well, out I, Gmail yeah. is free. It's really good. And not that many people want to pay for it. At least they're not going to pay for it at the scale that really makes this business extremely profitable. And that, you know, that's a potential outcome here. Yeah. I it, know. You, you know, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, also uh, over the past week, the, uh, the Chick-fil-A people updated, a little their story of like using kubernetes right and and it, i think they they by no means went over pricing and stuff but it's it's a similar consideration of how much you are willing to and can pay for something right so so essentially like they went over i think it was was it 2 years ago that they initially talked about they were experimenting with yeah with um, and and as always for the international listeners chick-fil-a is a fried chicken place a, a restaurant like there's tons of them and it's it has a bit of a, a cult following in in america like all great fast food places just for whatever because they're closed on sundays yeah well there's 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 that joke to be made about cults as well but well, i'll 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 uh not touch that one but anyways people love chick-fil-a they have waffle fries i get it they got lots of sauces but uh, so they have lots of, of uh, retail chains. And uh, I think I think as they, they went over a couple of years ago or three years ago, they were using uh, edge computing, uh, like local Kubernetes clusters to like run the fry machine and like check on all, all the stuff in the store. And so they had a bit of an update and uh, they kind of went over like, 
I think what they said, I forget the numbers because I don't have it in front of me, but I think what it said is in every Chick-fil-A store, they're running uh, a Kubernetes cluster. And there was a Mm -hmm. pretty big number uh, that they were doing, which is like, great, that's fun. And they even had a picture. I think they used like, you probably know that what these things are better than I do, Matt Ray, or maybe even Brandon. But yeah, like, like Intel things. And they didn't talk about it very much, and it would be fascinating to hear from what it, from them what it is, but they more or less implied, and we wanted to pay zero for all of this, <laughs> right? Which, well, they, 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 yeah, the Intel boxes are, are not the cheapest, so they, they you know. Right, right, right. I, I, I mean, rel- relative to, I don't know what Chick-fil-A's revenue is, but it's got to be in the billions, right? Like, I mean, right. relative to, like, overall top line, which makes sense because uh, a restaurant business is insanely low margin, right compared to yeah. like facebook or google right so like right, right. or even probably hey like i bet like i bet hay's margins are bigger than chick-fil-a's margins right I'm like sure they are yeah. percent wise and so like in that service. in that situation if you're going to deploy again i don't have the numbers but let's say eight to ten thousand can there be that many chick-fil-a restaurants this nah, is like some sort of google interview i'd guess like 1500 <laughs> yeah yeah okay i mean I'll, even I'll so so imagine that you're deploying that many that like, and let's discount the hay RFP you and, and you could be talking about, so you've got 1500. Each of those is probably like one cluster more or less. And so I don't know, what is that going to be like 500? It's probably going to be at least a million dollars to support that, if not more. And so like, I mean, that's, that's money you could be making on, on extremely small margins. And so like, it makes sense for them and maybe it also makes sense for, hey, I don't know why I would be saying this working for VMware, but like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's cheaper to hire people to like do this for you than necessarily doing it. But that that would be a great, I mean, there must have been many, many business cases of like going to Chick-fil-A and being like, you should buy our Kubernetes thing. And that that's the kind of thing that like, going back to what I was saying is like, I wonder if you went to the CIO of Chick-fil-A and you were like, have you ever thought about aside from legal obligations that you've signed, like, why don't you just publish all of that? Like that would, cause they have probably been pitched by every single Kubernetes vendor in the world, if not in low earth orbit. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and, and everybody wants to be a part of that story, right? I mean, ch- yeah, yeah. Is, and and, you know, and they're and so, publicly talking about their stuff. And so you're like, Hey, can I get on stage with you at KubeCon? And so over the past <laughs> three or four years, they probably have one, like a pretty good idea of like what the list price is, what the per cluster per node price is, how much of a discount you can ask uh-huh. for. So they have the perfect intelligence. Uh, they wouldn't tell you on Sunday, but Monday to Saturday, <laughs> they could probably give you a good idea of what it looks like and, and offer one of their, their 10 to 20 delicious sauces to go along with the price sheet. You think, you think the computers do all their batch processing on Sunday? Because, you know... <laughs> But I do yeah. think it comes back to just like the all the blocking and tackling of all digital transformation. You got to start with like what outcome are you trying to get, right? So, so to your point, like what is the if the fries are out faster or on time, like what, how does that? How do you quantify the benefit? So at least you kind of have some fighting chance to know what you could possibly spend, right? And it just seems like in the, back to like the DHH thing, it's like maybe that they just did it backwards. It's like I don't know. Like did you when you modeled it out, is that three million dollars like quadruple what you thought you'd spend, or is it you know? Yeah, you know, and and that's the that's that's what gets people in trouble is like no one has done that thinking ahead of time, and then it's like, oh wow, look at, can't believe it's so expensive to do this. It's like, well, you gotta, yeah, got to think you about know, that. Th- this hits on another thing that like it, it'd be interesting to get like ongoing until I actually write it up input. And I've mentioned this before, but you were kind of hitting on 
what I'm thinking of as the unquantifiable business case. Like, like let's let's use the Chick Fil A example. Whatever they're paying all in to uh, run the restaurants on Kubernetes, like, is there really like a business case? Because the alternative is not doing it, and and so so like. You have to do it. I, and, and then I guess that's why you get like uh, you get a race to the bottom of like, we have to do this thing. So we might as well do it as cheaply as possible. And then you're just into, I don't know, like I, I've, I've come across so many like business cases over the years that are like, don't really take into account like, well, what else are we going to do? Like, like as far as quantifying, like, you know, we can release new software more frequently. We can actually like deliver the fries more quickly. And really, like, how are you going to wrap a number around delivering the, f- the fries more qu- quickly? Like, it's, it's, you can only quantify, well, what if we didn't do it and, and how much? Uh, right. Well, or they but, just, but I, you see the backups and, and, and the drive throughs and stuff, you know, yeah, they're, they're and I think, definitely measuring that. Yeah. And I think the whole, yeah, yeah I think uh, the throughput is what they would be doing, right? It's like what, and because if they don't, I, do I it, guess, because they, they have enough historic data that they can like project absolutely. it yeah. forward. Yeah, I'm sure they have a thing, meals per hour, right? That they, you know, can deliver. Right, right, and right. I their think, economic, yeah, their unit cost. And yeah. I, business. And I, I think you know they probably know that like if they don't have this, like well, let's just call it broadly automation. If they don't have this part automated, they just rely on the staff in the store to do it. You know, like for example, they just start. Maybe they just kind of intuitively know, like I start the fries every you know fifteen minutes at twelve uh-huh. o'clock because uh-huh. of lunch rush, and that's just you know you just kind of let them do it, and maybe that works. Right to your point, like maybe there isn't any incremental benefit, but then you start to you know test it out and figure out, oh, actually. It's a it's a lot better if we tell them when to do this fries because they're they're not trying to schedule it they're just doing you know they're just using their own knowledge locally versus like we can actually provide some guidance there uh, but all those things go back to like you know should you even you know back to your old thing like should you be spending money here like is this a place that you can get savings and if not like you know that's it's better to know up front right than it is to waste all this time right, the technology right, right. yeah I I, th- I think this needs to be a CNCF sig. I don't quite know what it's going to be a study of, but for example, like to abstract it even more, like like now consider if you are going to uh, pay for backstage stuff, right? Like how does that relate to the uh, yeah. a backed up drive through at Chick Fil A, yeah. and and therefore the the ROI in business cases? And I think well, uh, I certainly hope the DHH. I mean, uh, this is the makings of a great conference presentation somewhere. We spent three yeah. whatever we spent one or three million dollars. Here's what we did in a year. Either outcome, like. If we turned out it was the same or more. That's a great out. I, I think. I think or easily significantly less. Mm-hmm. Easily, we have an afternoon or a day two morning keynote uh, oh, yeah. about <laughs> about cloud repatriation, right? And yeah, I think I think that would fit into legacy conf, and, and the 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 concept is going to be some something like returning to legacy, right? Like we uh, we tried all the new things, we had the stacks, and we realized that we should go back to COBOL, back yeah. to bare metal, like it, yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll put that in the uh, we'll give that to the the conference uh, the track chairs and see if they can uh, they can hustle that up. <laughs> Somebody needs to get on this. Well, meanwhile, back in the uh, you know maybe we should call this topic uh, Brandon's Culture Corner. Uh, there's not enough alliteration <laughs> in there for me to uh, to agree to that title. So we Cote's Culture Corner. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, yeah, but I I I I I feel like this kind of thing is Brandon's thing. The the the. Uh, Maybe we call it like Brandon's Halo Hat Rack. Uh, is is uh, we we could work on yeah, that I like one. That. But Halo but but, but uh, the news is there's two two major news items from from Microsoft. One, they're shifting to an unlimited time off, yeah, uh, uh, situation. Which every time someone shifts to unlimited time off, and um, you know, you get you get a um, 
you get you get a new revision on an exciting conversation, right? Like it's <laughs> it's almost. I think I won't say this was the only, but this is uh, in in my usage usage of Mastodon. This was perhaps the most Twitter conversation I've seen recently in my my short usage of Mastodon, which is to say, it was a wonderful opportunity for everyone to shit all over the idea. Like people, yes. there's very <laughs> yeah. few people who are like, "Oh, good job, I really like that," and so like, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, now, of course, uh, the other side of this, which I, I think needs to be mentioned, is is just uh, I think it was yesterday. Just like like many other places, uh, you know, knock on wood and all that, it looks like Microsoft's going to uh, let go around ten thousand people. So, you know, hopefully, if you're well, listening the to this, unlimited of paid of unpaid time off. <laughs> in, indeed, Ho- hopefully that you know, uh, no no one no one falls uh, prey to that. That's that's always a major bummer. However, that just sort of sets context of things. But like, let let's let's talk about it. Unlimited vacation at tech companies. Yeah. What uh, now? Now I'll start off. I don't think I actually have unlimited vacation anymore because I'm a Netherlands employee, and I think we actually have a fixed amount of time. However, at Pivotal and I think when at some point in VMware, like I did have like an unlimited vacation thing, which does take. I think the only way to do unlimited vacation properly is to not keep track of it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's my proposal, like moving the conversation forward would be my proposal would be like, let's stop calling it unlimited PTO because we all understand you cannot, you know, take perpetual vacation. Right. Like, like what, one of the best joke Twitter things was uh, a conversation, almost uh, uh, Wardley style, where uh, the manager asks uh, or, or, or the employee says like, oh, I'm enjoying my new, my new four day work week. And the manager says, what? And then the employee says, well, we have unlimited vacation, right? And so I, th- I think that's the uh, that's yeah. probably a, workers of the world unite on unlimited a million vacation. of those uh, tweets and Mastodon threads going. So, but mm-hmm. I think if we just moved it, we just said like, let's just call it untracked PTO, right? So yes, that's really what it there is. You go. So let's just call it because we all and then we, again, let's all quickly you know, revisit. We understand that it's helpful to the stock market to have less liabilities. And if you track vacation and pay it out, that becomes a liability, even though we all kind of know you're still going to take time off. So it's not like any new money has been created. It's just sort of like, we're not going to track it anymore, which is fine to me. That's fine. Like if that's the world, the stock market wants to do, but I do think this is, you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Cote is like, I just think this is the kind of thing I would like to, for the company to like put in place all the things we talk about, but at the HR level, it's like, what is the systems thinking about this? Right. So it's like, everyone talks about culture. We've talked a lot about on this one, you know, there's that, um, uh, injuries and Horowitz, you know, Ben Horowitz talking about value versus virtues, like things that we say we care about versus what we do. So the question I would just ask is like when, before they did this for the financial reasons, it's like, okay, now that we're doing this, like, how does this affect the culture? And I would just, I'm going to throw out what I think happens here. It's like, okay, the downside of untracked PTO is that you kind of have to figure out on your own what the appropriate amount is to actually take because there's yeah. not a lot of guidance. Okay. The upside, though, is suddenly it's like, well, if you, you need to do something like maybe for a couple hours, like, you know, during the work week, like you need to go to some school event yeah, or yeah. whatever, yeah. right? Is that like you kind of it, it sort of gives you more permission, right? Because the 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 kind of what you do is you're kind of the the impliedness of it is that like listen, I'm not going to track your time. And I think this is what the company is saying. This is one read of it, is like we as a company don't value 
tracking your time. It's not important to our goals, right? It's like what's important is that work gets done and unlimited PTO and untracked PTO is just another indication of like hours worked really isn't something that we're using to measure the productivity of the business. We're going to measure the productivity some other way, right? And I don't know, like, and I think, but this is where I think companies get in trouble is like later on, if you're a company that has untracked PTO and then later on the executives are like, well, people aren't working uh, long enough, right? Like those things yeah. I think are in conflict, right? Now, I think other companies can come out and they do have a very stated, like, we believe you need to be in the office. And the way that they do that is like, you do it through a accrued vacation. You need to be in the office between eight and five. If you're not in the office during those periods, we have provided you vacation. Please submit your request. Please track that time because that's important to our business. And everybody does it. Right. You know, and again, now you can argue whether which culture is right, but like they are both ways to instill a cultural value. And I just think I would like to know for all the companies that have the untracked PTO is like, okay, is this implied like take the afternoon off or like finish early on Friday? Is that is that okay with you? Is that what you wanted? Because I think that's kind of the the, yeah, the yeah. message you're getting to your employee. I, I, I think I think your distinction there is great. Like that explanation makes sense. And it's another I don't know. I don't mean this to come off the wrong way, but it's another thing of like in a lot of uh, of H- <clears throat> HR thinking uh, as an employee, I think you always have to ask one fundamental question when, when it comes to a take about an HR policy. And that is, do you have kids? Right. <laughs> and, and, right. and because there's a huge divide between the value of various HR policies, if you have kids or not. Right. And I think you identified what, those of us who do have kids, what we value is like, I don't fucking control the school's schedule. I have no goddamn control over that at all, yeah. right? Yeah. And and like, unless you want to pay me a stipend to hire like a nanny a or a nano, yeah. like, I don't know what to tell you, right? Like, I'm out. Well, and and so like, I I think I, I think that would be great if if there's a distinction between. Because I think when people hear unlimited vacation, what they mean is not what what not they mean. What they think of is not is taking a day off, right? Like what we would call a vacation. As as parents, we know that you no longer have vacations; you have trips. There's no such thing as a vacation with kids. <laughs> and and so, like, really, what you want is like uh, I don't know. The kids are doing a presentation about fossils or some shit at 10 a.m. So I got to knock out my morning to go to that because I'm not well, a fucking asshole, right? And, you, and, and so, and like, you see it. yeah. I I, th- I think I think. Anyways, I agree, Brandon. Your articulation of what we're talking about is untracked time off. I think is perfect for what's going on there. And then everything else after that is like. Yeah, well, we don't really mean take two months off. That's not what we're talking about here, right? And and so, however, I think there does need to be a lot of a lot of ground rules. I mean, it, whenever anything's unlimited, back to our spider snack conversation, you've got to have a lot of discipline and principles before you, uh, you know, do too much and uh, and and go with that. So, which is all to say, you're making me think that like I'm totally in favor of the unlimited PTO thing, as long as there's a discussion of what it actually means with like maybe a 20 to 50 page PowerPoint of examples and reasoning and explanation so that we can all kind of <laughs> come up to speed. We can instill the principles. You almost need like a boot camp of unlimited time off so that we all kind of like internalize the principles of it and understand uh, what the deal is. Not only us 
the workers, but also management at uh, at all levels. Well, it, it, it's a tool that's being taken away from HR. And, and so, you know, unlimited PTO is kind of a, a conversation between, you know, the, the worker and their direct management. And, you know, you see people like I work at an unlimited PTO company, uh, you know, and previously worked at uh, an unlimited PTO company. You see people like they will block out, you know, two hours out of every day for, you know, school pickup, drop off, whatever. And like, okay, that's fine. You know, I, I, I respect that. Um, if HR has to be okay with like, if, if that person's manager leaves, how do they, and, 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 you know, some sort of performance review, how do they think about that employee? You know, do they try mm-hmm. to go back and comb through their calendar? You know, do, do we, you know, because like, I don't know if it's, it's a, you know, some sort of, you know, power move or something, but you know, I don't, I don't report vacation. Like, you know, I've had tools that are like, you know, oh, make sure you report your vacation. It was like, you said it was unlimited, you know, and, <laughs> and I just wait for someone to like force the issue. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, so um, it, it just comes down to like, you know, do you trust your employees and Microsoft is saying they do minus, you know, 10,000. And, um, but I think we may stop you there. It's like, I don't know, like, I hope there was like this level of thinking that went on to it. My guess though, is just like when you start a company, I think some of the ones you were referring to Matt, or in this case, investor relations says, Hey, you know what we could do to clean up the books here is let's get rid of this, uh, accrued vacation. Let's pay it out. We got a lot of money in the bank and let's, and the, you know, the other half isn't thinking about it. Like they're not thinking about like, okay, I am now, you know, applying a policy that will change the culture, right? I am now, if you will, making it more likely for people to take off on Friday afternoon and feel okay with it than than the company was before. Where before I said, because think of the inverse. The inverse is like, I value your time in the office. In fact, when you're not here, I'm going to pay you for it. And in fact, if you choose that you actually don't want to take vacation and some companies will actually buy it back from you, right? It's a totally different metaphor and a totally different, you know, way that you're influencing the company. And I think that's the important thing. And I just, so much of the dialogue right now has been, you know, and I just come back to this phrase, quiet quitting. And it's just like, well, if you have unlimited PTO, like you can't really have quiet quitting, you know, unlimited PTO is just (laughs) quiet quitting is just someone taking advantage of the benefit you've given them. Right now, flipping that around saying like, if you're like, Hey, I crude PTO is like, then you do have something like you weren't in the office at this time. You didn't meet the expectation. And you know, that's important to our culture. So that's the part. And this is where I just want more systems thinking less, just like this is because there is going to be some thought piece about like, because now we're getting over the quiet quitting kind of thought pieces. And I think now we're going through all the layoffs. And I think eventually we're going to rotate into like um, people are overworked. There's too much stress at the office. Like, uh, you know, right now it's like, quote unquote, everything's overstaffed. I would say six to 12 months, we're going to have the like, everything's understaffed at all these companies. That's why, the, oh. that's why the big tech companies aren't innovating anymore because everyone's just working on sustaining innovation. And, you know, such and such company needs to <laughs> add more people to release the next that. version of this product, right? I mean, it's inevitable. It's coming. And it's like, now's the time to be thinking about that. Think about all that right now, right? Well, and, and the countries that don't have unlimited PTO, I mean, I, I was on Australian payroll for a while. There's no unlimited PTO. You know, and Cote is on Netherlands. Maybe it's because it's harder to fire employees. Well, I bet I bet it's government regulation, right? Yeah. Like like well, outside right. of it's, outside it's of America. Workers. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, outside of America, they're like, you know what? We should fucking work on this. Like, instead of just being like, la di da. Like, yeah. But I think you can go further like, and be like, YOLO, that, workers' rights. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that's the whole thing, though. Like, that's what those company co- country, the cultures of those companies, uh, countries rather, like, are emphasizing. It's like, no, no, no. We want there to be a specified set of rights and rules. And they've gone that, you know, and again, like, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, if you believe in that, you definitely quantify it. And if you don't, but again, like there are implicit, I, and this is the thing I just keep coming back to, like there are implicit trade-offs in like most of the time, I just don't think the trade-offs are thought about at this level. And it's just like, this is what, if I was running a company and I was an executive, it's like, this is the kind of stuff I wish all executives were thinking about all the time. It's just like another version of like, hey, we're canceling all meetings. It's like, don't tell me to cancel all meetings. Like, help me, you know, give me a system to think through how meetings can be useful at your company and when to use them, you know? Just saying later, we're going to cancel all meetings. And then later on, the executive is like, why isn't anybody on top of this project? You know, we need to have a meeting because you know that's going to happen, right? It's like, that's not helping the situation. You know, if I had unlimited PTO at two jobs... I can pull that off. <laughs> oh, wow. you can you can yeah. use unlimited PTO at one job to do your limited PTO at the other job. I, I think uh, some next level thinking there for sure. Man. You, you have uh, you have PTO arbitrage, uh, which which I think uh, maybe that might be the topic of a Michael Lewis book. Uh, three jobs point. you might pull off. Yeah, you yeah, do a crappy yeah. job at three jobs. Well, when when you're looking for a way to get PTO that's on the clock. What I always recommend is thinking about conferences that you can go to. And, uh, you know, conferences are a great time. You, you might even call it, especially if you have kids, vacation, right? Like you're there, you're traveling to exotic or sometimes not so exotic locales, visiting uh, things. You have the excuse of like, oh, I'm sorry, I was at a conference. I couldn't get work done. So it's a good time to, uh, and you probably don't have to accrue PTO because it's uh, you're doing things in a work capacity. Speaking of, there are several conferences coming up. Uh, we have our Spring uh, One online conference. Even though it's online, you could say like, I'm sorry, I did, couldn't do things because I was catching up on Spring. And uh, also, I'm going to be hosting a watch party in Amsterdam on January 25th at the VMware offices. It's over on the kind of like northwest side of town at 4.30 p.m., We'll have refreshments and stuff, and uh, I think there might even be like an in-person demo of stuff. Uh, and if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can uh, find links to uh, Spring One and also to register to come to that uh, watch party in Amsterdam. Now, we have watch parties in Brussels, probably many in Germany, all sorts of major cities in the States and Asia. There's all sorts of watch parties you can go to. But there's other conferences. There's uh, the Cloud Native Security Con, February 1st and 2nd in Seattle. I'll be speaking at uh, Configuration Management Camp in uh, Ghent or Ghent or whatever. I'm sorry. Uh, February 6th and 8th. I'm really looking forward to that. I've been to that conference many, many times, but never really uh, been able to speak at it because I didn't apply. So that's my fault. And then there's also the State of OpenCon 2023 in London, February 7th to 8th. That seems like something I should have gone to. And then both Matt Ray and I will be at SCALE, the Southern Woo! California Linux Expo, which is uh, – I have never actually been nor spoken there, so I made it a point to apply to that this year because I was, I was like, you know, before I become a spider snack, I should probably speak there. That, that yeah. seems like something that is appropriate. So that will be fun uh, to, to speak at. And then also uh, there's going to be DevOps Days Birmingham in Alabama, uh, April 20th to 21st. And I actually submitted a paper to DevOps Days Birmingham, UK. Uh, I forget what that is, but hopefully they'll accept it. So there's all sorts of conferences you can go to. Now, 
I think usually, Brandon, I ask you if there's any bureaucracy before we do conferences. So hopefully the listeners, are, their heads aren't exploding. Now let's, let's bring them down from the ceiling they're crawling on. Do we have any bureaucracy this episode? The only bureaucracy is uh, there's a bunch of um, things we didn't get to in this week's topics. And I just want to highlight, too, because I think they're at the different uh, spectrum of uh, digital transformation. One, uh, transformation, rather. One is uh, Chuck E. Cheese is still using uh, floppy disk in 2023. So that's a fun read if you want to hear about uh, how Chuck E. Cheese is finally getting rid of the floppy disk. And then on the much more important front is uh, I ran across this uh, article about how the Ukraine has uh, automated uh, a lot of uh, their government functions for, you know, there's lots of obvious reasons why that's been helpful uh, in their e-governance app. So it's a more serious one, but it's, I think, just a really good example of you know, people taking um, advantage of digital transformation to do lots of important things for people. So check that one out. And then finally, if uh, you want a sticker, all you have to do is email your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. So with that, uh, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this episode? Well, it's it's January, which means that uh, Bruce Sterling and his friends over at the well are, are doing their oh, state right. of uh you know the state of the world 2023 uh this is the 20th year apparently um so if if you want a long meandering thread about uh world topics from you know the uh eccentric side of you know sci-fi writers and various folks um it's a it's a very entertaining read uh i haven't caught up so i don't know if it's done but uh usually it, it kicked off probably a week or, a week or two ago and they're up to many pages um Go read it. It's just, you know, lots of uh, takes that I hadn't really thought through. So uh, good read. Well, I'm, I'm going to do uh, equally my annual plea to the staff at thewell.com or anyone who can help me decode this. Uh, I enjoy reading it immensely. However, the way that thewell.com posts this is they put it in pre-tags, which means that there are no line breaks. And no matter what you use, you cannot word wrap it. So you can't read it on your phone or any other device than a laptop. And I have two asks. One. I don't know who, like maybe Bruce Sterling listens to our podcast or, or, or John, uh, what, what's his name? Love, love but just, yeah. just like, just take the pre-tags out. Like it's, 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 uh, it's, it's 2023 now. There's no reason to use a pre-tag unless the there's code never there. changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, spe- speaking of optimizing costs. Uh, but yes, or if someone has a script... Like even if, I, I think even if you try to save it in Instapaper or the other readers, because programmers believe that pre-tags are there to, to, to uh, save spacing for, for source code. They don't strip the pre-tags, which uh, needs to occur. So someone needs to solve that problem. Uh, because I haven't, fin- I haven't been able to read it yet because like, I haven't sat down on my laptop to read like, the, the stuff there. It's, it's, uh, I, do, I, do, I do like a page a day, which is you know, about 20 posts. You know, it's dense. Yeah, yeah my, uh, don't don't use pre tags. That's that's my only message. <laughs> now, Brandon, how about yourself? What do you have to recommend? I don't know. Just listening to that whole conversation, I feel like someone needs to make that thing a podcast. That's how I I, I don't know. I want someone to turn all that into some type of podcastable, listenable uh, action. So yeah, well, so it, ma- it would be ahead. some sort of like subgenius podcast thing. You know, I mean, it's it's up there. What's his name? Tyler, it feels like Tyler Cohen should be in charge of turning that into a podcast. I don't know. Oh, yeah. He could be the straight man. I just right. feel like great. he's like, yes. he's the kind of person that just like, I don't know. He's like wow. a I, I think, human I think, computer, right? I think, I think a one to 36 hour conversation between Bruce Sterling and Tyler Cohen, that would be amazing. Like, I, just, I, I, I would, uh, 
I would they they should do a weekly podcast that's like 90 to three hours long. 90 minutes <laughs> to three hours long. Yeah. No, it's, uh, well, you know, just off topic, uh, Bumani Jones, who's a sports podcaster yeah. at ESPN, and Bruce, not Bruce, uh, Tyler Cowan are like just the greatest speakers, I think, in the world. They just somehow they can just speak perfectly, you know, at length for, I, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I wish my brain worked that way. It doesn't. So I just, I just noticed when I listen to podcasts, like they're just people who are great at it. So I don't check those people out if you're looking for something to listen to. Uh, this week, my official recommendation here is, uh, the book Atomic Habits. This was one of these books I'd heard a lot about and been recommended a lot, but I, I didn't want to read it because I was just like, ah, it's going to be kind of just stuff I already know. But I think in the end, it was good. I, I can see why it's so highly ranked. And uh, maybe I'm just in the mood kind of as we had some conversations earlier today. It's it's a lot of uh, applying systems thinking just to yourself and your personal habits and things that you want to do. So it's probably things you're familiar with. But it did get me thinking just about how like agile and DevOps and uh continuous manufacturing from Toyota, like so much of all of this advice like is kind of the same around like, you know, automating uh, repetitive things and also creating the right incentives. Like it just feels like all of human uh, advice could almost be like simplified that way. Uh, but nonetheless, like there's a lot of that in there, but I, I thought they offered some very practical ways to get going. So if you're trying to uh, incentivize yourself to, to do better things or things you want to stop doing, Atomic Habits has some some good advice, so check it out. Well, my recommendation, I hope I recommended this. I think I recommended my uh, newsletter, which, you know, if you've listened this far, you should go to newsletter.cote.io and subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, you, you will enjoy it immensely. Uh, I apologize for my dog. She, she, uh, I think pictures she, of your dog in the newsletter. I, I, yeah, I think she's having uh, gastro issues and is trying to be nice and get me to take her outside. But whatever. Do it. Wrap it up. But my recommendation is the book that I'm now reading since I finished Mouth to Mouth, which is The Seven Moons of, of Mali Amida. I don't know how to pronounce Sri Lankan, Sri Lankan names. But it's a good uh, – what, what's the name of this? Uh, magical realism? Like, yeah. like it's a good uh, – there's like ghosts and goblins and also, you know, revels and stuff. But it's a, it's a nice book. People should check that out. I think uh, I'm going to assign it to my dog to read. And with that, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, you should go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and you can find links to subscribe, show notes, all those things that uh, Brandon mentioned. You should join our Slack channel to uh, discuss things between each episode. There's all sorts of thriving channels to talk about. It's a great little community that we have there. And uh, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. I got to go take this dog out and I'm going to bring some plastic bags oh my god Uh, you know i i gotta say maybe you want to put this in the after show but like don't tell my family this but if there's anyone in the netherlands or europe that would like a dog i'd I'd love to meet you somewhere and uh i've got i've got a great dog that you could like because i i am not i don't understand what the uh what the deal is here you know Uh.